0: Before we investigate um, this passage, so Hebrews 12, 1, and 2, um, I want to give you guys kind of a summary of what um, really all of Hebrews is about. Um, so back when so I graduated from Liberty about a year ago, and it was nearby the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, beautiful area, beautiful mountains, and there's um, one hike that I love going on with other college friends um, called Sharp Top. And it was a beautiful mountain. You could see at the top, you could see beautiful views of like 300 degree views everywhere. It was just a uh, really awesome experience and a lot of fun. And I went on that hike a few times with friends. And um, But one thing that is interesting about when you're hiking up a mountain is that you kind of see little mini views sort of through the trees or maybe a, like a little mini outlook, but you don't really get the full um, picture of where you are until you're at the top of the mountain. And so that's why I think, um, just kind of reading over Hebrews, that's why I really think um, kind of the summary of what Hebrews is about is that um, Christ, through the writer of Hebrews, is showing um, that there are lots of um, pictures of Christ in um, the Old Testament, for example. So we see... um, you know you have you know Abel, who died for his faith. He was killed by his brother Cain, you have Abraham, you have David, you have all these um, men who lived um, who lived the life of faith, and you have all these examples who are ultimately examples of Christ. And then you also have all the um, sacrifices, all the ceremonies of the Old Testament, that was all pointing to the ultimate atonement, the ultimate sacrifice, which we find ultimately in Christ. And so that's really um, what I see kind of, you know, going up the mountains, that you kind of see all these mini pictures or kind of things of the greatness of the view at the top. Um, And so um, two points about just Hebrews to just kind of keep in mind when we come to different passages in Hebrews is that first of all, in all of Hebrews, we need to understand that its goal is to point you to Christ. It's a very um, Christocentric, it's centered on Christ and what he has done for us. Um, and so we see so many examples of that. I mean, you go straight into Hebrews 1, and just, it doesn't even have an introduction. I don't know if you are familiar with Paul's letters, so that he kind of does a very formal introduction but with Hebrews, it goes straight into the theology of who Christ is—that He is sovereign, that He is preeminent, that He is the ultimate being—and so it's very, it's a little bit shocking, um, also. But I think one example that's probably one of the more, um, the more significant examples of Christ is a man named Nechizedek. Um, which we see in Hebrews 7. Um, And Melchizedek is a great example, probably more even more poignant example of Christ, um, because there are some interesting things about him, is that he's not very well known in Scripture, so there's only really two um, verses about Melchizedek in all of the Bible other than Hebrews. And that, if you want to look it up later on, um, it's Genesis 14, 17 through 20, and then also Psalms 110.4. And Melchizedek, um, the interesting thing about him is that he's the only, that I know of, um, the only figure in the Bible that's specifically a king and a prophet. And another aspect that we see in Hebrews is ultimately um, the priesthood of Christ, and also that he is a he's our prophet, and he's our king, and he's our priest. And so Melchizedek, kind of being that figure the only there's a lot of figures in the Bible like David who's a picture of Christ as a king Um, but Melchizedek is unique because he's um, intentionally in scripture he's the prophet and the king um, which is fascinating and he's also the king of Salem which is also Jerusalem and Salem actually means peace so there's another parallel that's almost um, Melchizedek is the king of peace or Salem And so we see that, that kind of ties into Christ with being the Prince of Peace. Um, And so not only do we see pictures of Christ in Hebrews, throughout all of Hebrews, it's all focused on Christ, but we also see, we really get some pastoral tastes of Hebrews also. Um, Hebrews has many, pretty much all the common verses, which we're actually going to be exploring one of them um, this afternoon um but it really talks about encouraging um those who are um the readers of Hebrews to not um drift away from the faith and so we see examples of that so i'm going to really quickly go through a couple examples of um Hebrews so i'll just read a couple of verses you don't have to turn to them um but Hebrews 2:1 says therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it And then Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. And then also Hebrews 10.19-20 says, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, since we have a great priest, Over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of our faith. And so I think that that's kind of two aspects that we need to have kind of in our minds when we're reading Hebrews, when we're looking at this passage that we'll be going to, that we need to understand that it's focused on Christ. And on the other side, that we have, there's many exhortations for us as believers to stay close to Christ and to pursue Christ in our daily lives. And not drift away from him, and I think that this really has this is why Hebrews is just a wonderful book um, because it really is calling us to really cling to Christ ultimately. And I think that in our day and age, um, there's a lot of distractions, and we'll be kind of talking about that a little bit more as we talk about Hebrews 12. But there's many distractions in the world. There's many um, things that can you know distract us from our ultimate you know focusing on Christ and seeking after him and living a life for Christ. And so, um, so as we come, so that's kind of background on Hebrews and kind of aspects that we need to kind of keep a, kind of keep in the back of our heads as we um, look into Hebrews. But two points as we come specifically to Hebrews 12, one through 2. Um, so two points that I want to emphasize is um, running the race, And then also the second point is the goal of the race. So what's the purpose of the race? What's at the end? What's our goal? Um, And so first point that we'll be looking into is running the race. Um, So I think the one thing that um, we need to understand is also the context of Hebrews 12. Um, I'm sure that you are, many of you are familiar with Hebrews 11, which is what is known as the Hall of faith talking about all these old testament characters and we kind of mentioned it before um and just the wonderful lives that they lived for christ how they ran the race and then we come to um hebrews 12 and we see that truly you know this is that hebrews 12 is ultimately really a summary of all these believers um and so it's really I think it's encouraging and I think the writer of Hebrews was encouraging us as Christians, that all these men and women have gone before us, and they have lived life for Christ, um, even though, you know you can think of David who had um, sinned with Bathsheba and he had a lot of challenges and struggles and temptations and fell in those temptations, but yet the Lord preserved him, and he will preserve us. Um, and so, um, so, yeah, So it's just really important to understand that Christ is um, faithful, faithful in our lives, even in this challenging race that we are in as believers. Um, John Owen actually has a really good um, quote that summarizes this. Um, so all the saints of the Old Testament, as it were, stand looking on us in our striving, encouraging us unto our duty. And ready to testify unto our success with their applauses. They are placed about us unto this end. We are encompassed with them. And so I think that that's really a beautiful picture, is that um, we are running the race along with all the believers that have gone before us. And it's really just a beautiful testimony of God's faithfulness. Um, And I think... This has come really personally for me. Um, so my grandfather has been a really big impact on me. Um, and actually, when I was younger, I just wanted to be in the ministry because he was min- he was a minister and a missionary in India and all that. Um, and many of you, he actually probably visited a couple times when we used to live here and all. But um, but yeah, so it's just been amazing to just see his faithfulness and him at the end of the race. In a sense, he's 81 or almost 81. And he's still, you know, he's still preaching. He's still, you know, serving Christ. He meets with me and my other cousins and my siblings for lunch. And just, he's just pursuing Christ um, and living the race well all the way to the end as, you know, he's still healthy, which is wonderful. Um, And so it's just a beautiful testimony. And I think it's healthy for us to not only think of those that are past, um, but also think of those that are further along in the race than we are. Um, and that's how, for me, my grandfather and my even my dad and other people in my life um, also. And so um, I think another aspect that we need to understand about this race, and I think it's really important, um, is the idea that this race for Christ is not is ultimately a marathon and not a sprint. I know that's kind of cliche and whatever, but um, let me kind of explain it a little bit. Um, so I think one thing that we kind of see a lot in evangelical, you know, solid, you know, Christians have a lot of good intentions, is that they, uh, they come, they have a radical experience of a testimony, which is wonderful. But then, you know, once they get into just, you know, life, into that race of life as a, in the Christian life, they kind of get a little bit, you know, uncertain about their faith. They're kind of become less interested in maybe the church and things like that. And so we need to understand that the Christian life is not easy. It's not going to be always those high moments, those high spiritual moments. Those moments are wonderful. We should just relish in them. But we should also understand that this is a marathon. Um, as we become more like Christ, it's like a process of, you know, sanctification, being more holy, more like Christ. Um, and there's, so my, um, my cousin, so I have a cousin up in Pennsylvania, and he's a uh, cross-country runner, and he's very athletic, and I enjoy sports, but I'm not, I've never done any professional or college sports. Um, but he's a cross-country runner, and it's just amazing seeing his endurance and his training and his, you know, He doesn't, you know, he always wakes up really early in the morning and runs like eight miles at like six o'clock in the morning. And that's not me. Probably not most of us. Um, So it's just amazing, though, to just see his endurance in the race for Christ or for the race and his racing. But it's also a picture um, ultimately for us, too, to um, that it's hard work, you know, living for Christ, especially in a hostile, um, hostile world. And also, you know, we get struggle with our own hearts, too. Um, and so it's just an aspect that we need to understand that the race, we need to be disciplined for the race. And a lot of that is ultimately the church. Um, that's why we have the body of Christ to help us and encourage us in that race that we are on. Um, so we have running the race and the struggle that it can be and also the highlights that it has too. It's just you know um, becoming more like Christ. But we also see, and this is really where um, really the Book of Hebrews is really trying to pivot our attention to, is ultimately the goal of the race. Where what's our goal? Where are we trying to get to in um, the race for Christ? And um, and I think one one aspect um, is that we need to understand that there's. Um, In this passage, well, let me just read verses one and two to just refresh. Um, So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely. Let us run with endurance the race set, set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of god so i think um that little phrase um let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely i think there's two aspects of it is that we have hindrances in our walk and then we also have um we also have sins that also weigh us down and um I think that one thing we need to be aware of and a little bit of application in our daily lives is that there's some things that are hindrances they may not be outright sins but there's kind of like these um very much wisdom issues that we need to understand as believers um and I think a lot of that could be maybe um you know like excess entertainment or not meditating on the word as much or even just even just seemingly mundane things like being sleepy Sunday morning and not being alert for Sunday worship. You know, just things like that that aren't necessarily um, sins, but there's things that we need to be aware of as believers. And we need to understand there may be some hindrances in that race for Christ. And then I think there's another aspect of it is that they are also those outright sins Um, and I think a very clear example that we mentioned before is um, David's sin with Bathsheba which is um, sin we need to understand that it doesn't just slow us down it also tears us down it makes us fall on the race and get hurt you know Um, and so it's much more we need to be aware of that also and we need to kill sin and we need to flee away from it, as many passages in scripture talks about. And so, um, but yeah, so I think that's two aspects that Hebrews really emphasizes um, is those hindrances to our faith. And those are wisdom issues that we as believers just need to figure out what our hindrance is, but also understand our sins that we may have and come to Christ in those sins and in those um, hindrances in our lives. Um, So, yeah, so, um, but yeah, so back to kind of the core, though, is that if you see in verse two, um, so we see the hindrances and the sins that cling so closely to us, and then in verse two, um, it says looking to Jesus, and so that's our ultimate goal, is that we need to understand that our... Our life here may be wonderful at times, it has struggles at times, but we need to have our eyes pivoted on the ultimate um, the ultimate end, which is living with Christ forever in heaven. And so um, John Owen, another quote by John Owen, emphasizes this point um, by saying, the constant view of the glory of Christ will re- revive our souls and cause our spiritual lives to flourish and thrive. The more we behold of Christ by faith now, the more spiritual and the more heavenly will be our state of our souls. So yeah, so I think that it's a beautiful picture is that we need to have our eyes, we need to feast on Christ. We need to, and there's a lot of ways that that can, you know, be done. I think, you know, coming to worship on every Sunday. I think also just even um, just interaction with other believers and just, Um, fellowship with other believers can be really very healthy and I think can encourage us as we are all in the race together and running the race together, which is really a beautiful picture. Um, And I think another thing is that many of us um, have challenges and struggles that we go through and we need to understand that in those struggles, we have Christ who paid the punishment and he had the ultimate struggle and he went through things that we'll never have to go through. And he also endured many, all the temptations that we endure, too. And yet he was without sin, which there's another, I believe it's in Hebrews 4 that talks about that. Um, But yeah, so another thing about Christ and just the Christocentric aspect of this passage is that Jesus is not only the example. I think we hear a lot in the world um, Jesus being a great example, which he is, and we would all We would agree with that, but he is also so much more than just merely an example in our faith. But he is also the object and source of our faith. Um, And he, the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guides us and encourages us and maybe convicts us of sin at times too. And so this, um, since we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, guide us ultimately to Christ in heaven. And so it's just a beautiful um, picture that we have. And I think what's interesting, um, going back to Hebrews 11, as we close, um, Hebrews 11 talks about all these amazing characters in the word um, in throughout the Old Testament. And so we kind of mentioned that a little bit. But there's a paragraph in the middle of it, which I thought was very um, very interesting and very pastoral and very encouraging for us. And so let me just read it. So if you want to turn there, just one page over or maybe two for your Bible. Um, so it's Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 through 16. So Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 through 16. So these all died in faith. So talking about the whole of faith, you know, like Abraham and um, David and Moses But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so, I think it's very clear that that is the ultimate goal that we have, is living with Christ. We have an ultimate city, which is heaven. And that's where our eyes should be turned to, just in those constant day-to-day Struggles, challenges, blessings in life. Our eyes should always be um, focused on Christ and then our heavenly home, even in those blessings and struggles of life. And then another verse, which is Philippians three thirteen. So the second half of the verse, and then fourteen says, "But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call." of God, in Christ Jesus. So that's just a really just a wonderful um, summary of what it is, what it means to be in that race for Christ. Um, So yeah, so let's um, conclude with a time, or with some prayer. So let's pray. Dear Lord, um, I thank you.